Well, we've been in this series called The Ten, The Ten, and the series is really about the Ten Commandments, but we've been doing it slightly different. We're doing it in reverse. It's a countdown. So we're starting at Commandment number 10, and we've been making our way down, and we're kind of like in the middle. When I grew up, we had a voice-operated TV when I was growing up. I, I, was born in the, I was born in the 70s, I was raised in the 80s, and I rocked in the 90s, right? And so that's, that's kind of me. So in the 80s, we had a voice-operated TV. Whenever my mum wanted to change the channel, she'll go, it's, it's, and I'll come right, I'll be outside on the trampoline, I'll be running into the lounge, she goes, yeah, change the channel. Oh, okay, change the channel. So when, and whenever she wanted the volume up, she goes, it's, and I run in, she goes, turn the volume up. Okay, so that, that, was, our, and that was our voice-operated TV. Anybody else have voice-operated TVs growing up? Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? And um, in fact, as a, um, in primary school, as a seven-year-old kid, it was my job to run to the shop to buy my mum's smokes. Those were the days, weren't it? We had seven-year-olds buying smokes for their parents. Well, you hope they're buying smokes for their parents. So I'll be, I'll be running off to the shop, and, and you just did what, whatever your mum told you. You just did, right? You just I'm like, okay, I'm just going. You know, I, I, I remember running to the bank to do the banking. Like, remember the bank books? Back in the old days, there was bank books. And my mom will give me, like, a bank book. You run to the bank and get my money. So she's at home. So I'm running all the way to the Mangere Town Center to get the money out of the bank machine. From, not the bank, from the bank teller. Just give her the book, and then she gives me money. I run back home and give it to my mom. Then she sees me to the shop to buy, buy her smokes. You know, um, those, those were the day. But my mom, my mom is now, um, she's 71 this year. She told me she she's, um, she's, she's wants to quit smoking. And I was going, hey, you know, you're 71. That's a good good. <laughs> Good goal. She said, I only smoke five cigarettes a day. And I said, well done, mom. Well done. It's been 70 years, but hey, you know, you're getting there. So uh, I love my mom. I love my mom. You know, I love my mom. You know, um, so here's our countdown. Number 10, do not covet. Do not covet. Number nine, do not testify falsely. Number eight, do not steal. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number six, we did this last week, is do not murder. And number five is honor your parents. <laughs> honor your parents. Go to the shop and get my smokes. Yes, mom. So, there you go. My mom, when I was growing up, my mom was the law. Whatever she said, I did. I did. I just, uh, she was, it's like I always came before her in fear and trembling. Uh, <laughs> Exodus 20 verse 12 says this, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that Yahweh your God is giving you. Uh, honor the Lord. Good families make healthy societies. Good families make healthy societies, which is why this is, an, this is, this is a vital part of the command. It's right in the middle, just, just gone over. Good families make healthy societies. If you, if you look at every society, it's because it means strong families. When you begin to, to, to tear away at that, then all of a sudden you get the rise of crime. You get rise of the depravity happening in society, uh, which is what we're beginning to see today. So we need to strengthen our families. But how do we honor our parents when our parents' ex expectations seem, seems to be out of line? Sometimes we feel impossible to live up to them. You ever felt like so? Like my mom wants me to do this, my dad wants me to do. I feel like I can't live up to it. How do we honor our parents when our parents continually criticize our appearance, our choice of career, our partner, who we're going to marry, how we raise our kids? I mean, how do we honor our parents when our parents begin to decline in health and require more from us when where we find it hard to provide for them during during those times? What's really interesting about this command is this command doesn't expire when we become adults. 
right? Or like, it doesn't like when I, but now that I've left home, I don't have to honor my mom and dad. No, this, this command doesn't expire. It doesn't expire uh, when we become adults. And, and, and also this command isn't like, oh, we, 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 don't, we, we just value one parent, the one that raised us, right? It, 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 we, this command is not about that where we just value one parent over the other, regardless if they raised us or not. So here's the question. The question is, what does honor mean? What does honor mean? Does it mean to obey in every circumstances? Does honor, honoring appearance mean we've got to obey them in every circumstance? So let's have a look at this command within its context. So as we look at this command, the first four commands in the Ten Commandments is about our relationship to God, right? And, and um, in fact, we're heading towards that now. So if we begin to see the commandment number one, commandment two, three, and four. There we go. Um, those, we're heading towards those now uh, coming up the next from next week onwards, right? And it's all about our relationship to God. And the, the last five that we've just finished doing is about our relationship to other images or other people, right? Our relationship to others. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Um, do not testify falsely and do not covet. This is about our relationship to others. And what's really interesting is the fifth command, the one that we're on today, it's known as a bridge, a bridge command, the bridge between the two between relationship to God and relationship to others, to honor your parents. And, and here's why, what I mean by that. When we read, begin to read the rest of the narrative within our scripture, what do we find? We find that if Israel continue to re- reject God, if they continue to dishonor Him, right, what will happen to them? They will forfeit their right to be in the land that God is giving them. And we, and we read the narrative, and we begin to see this, and, and we see, see, see the, the kingdom divided. We see the Syrians come, and they take the northern tribe away, and, and they take them away, and we never see them again. Um, then we see the southern tribe get taken away by, by the Babylonians, and then them coming back. And there's this whole story, and this narrative story of, of scriptures about if, if Israel reject God, or they dishonor God, they forfeit their right to stay in the land. But let's have a look at commandment number five. It says this. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that Yahweh your God is giving you. It's, it's connected. It's connected. There's connection between how we honor and revere God and how we honor and revere our parents in the same way, which is why this is known as, as a bridge commandment, because it's connected. It's honor God and honor others. And honor your parents is this kind of connection where we honor God and, and others at the same time. Um, in fact, when we begin to look at the laws within the Torah, there are laws about where we, if you blaspheme God, it's the death penalty. It's a death penalty. And in the same way, this law is also applied to if you curse your parents. It's also the death penalty. So understanding this, this relationship between how, how we honor and revere God is, is the same way we honor and revere our parents. It helps us to, to get a sort of framework of of, of how these verbs work within this commandment. So this is what it means when we begin to, to have a look of, of, of how these are connected together. gives us this framework. And so what does it mean? It means don't humiliate your parents. Don't do the opposite of revere. right? Don't do the opposite of revere. Don't demean. Don't demean them. Don't bring your parents down or bring them low. They're supposed to be treated as special. They're supposed to be t- treated as special. It's the, it's the same verbs that we use for treating God. So don't treat them as common like everybody else. But it does have practical limits. There's practical limits to, to, to this verse, which means you don't have to obey your parents if, if they tell you to do something that causes you to sin. 
right? There's practical limits. You, you, you don't have to do that because God is our final authority. There is no command that is given where evil gets help. In fact, there, there are circumstances where, where honoring your parents means you can't obey them. And there are circumstances when that happens. Like the command wasn't given so that, that a parent or your, or your parents with dementia would have to be obeyed no matter how irrational they become. I mean, God knows the motivation of your heart. And sometimes to honor our parents means making a decision that's contrary to their wishes. So the bottom line is this. Don't treat your parents with contempt. Don't treat your parents with contempt. Have their best interest in mind because God knows your heart. He knows what's going on inside your heart. Don't treat your parents with contempt and have their best interest in mind. And that's what this command is about. Treat them really well. Treat your mom really well. Treat your dad really well. That is honoring your parents. Don't treat your parents with contempt. Have their best interest in mind. That's honoring your parents. In fact, this is the only command that doesn't last a lifetime. Did you know that? All the other commands last a lifetime. This one doesn't. I think it's tragic that, that some people give honor to their parents at their funeral when it's too late. So we need to keep this in mind. This is the only command that does not last a lifetime because our day may come when we will be unable to make amends. Now, here's a word to parents. Any parents here? This commandment works both ways. It works both ways. One of the best ways to correct your children is to correct the example that we are setting here. So the, the best ways to correct children is to correct the example that we're setting for them. I mean, how is your language around your kids? How is your language? How is your behavior around your children? I mean, how do you match up to your own rules? These are the rules to the house, and you constantly break them. Right? Hey, hey, do what I say, not what I do. Here's the thing. Parents make it a lot easier to be honored if they fulfill their responsibilities as parents. Parents make it a lot easier to be honored if they fulfill their responsibilities as parents. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this. Fathers, any fathers out there? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not frustrate your children. Right? Anybody ever been frustrated by your dad <laughs> or by your mom? Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instructions of the Lord. So in the same way that seasons change. Like, you know, um, lately we've only had two seasons. We've only had winter and spring autumn. <laughs> Summer got missed out somewhere down along the way. Right? But, you know, the same ways that seasons change, our children change and they develop throughout their childhood. Right? We've got to recognize, we've got to recognize the transitions. You know, if we don't recognize the transitions, then we will exasperate our children. If you continue to exasperate your children into adulthood, your relationship with your child will break down. It will break down. I've seen it time and time again. See, once you no longer have relationship, you no longer have influence. I'm going to say that again. Once you no longer have relationship, you no longer have influence. So it's important to keep good relationship with your child. Because as long as I have relationship, I have influence. We need to recognize the transition in our child's life. And when I ever get the opportunity to, to speak about parenting in some, role, in some way, I always love to share about the four C's. The four C's. And the four C's is about our parenting and transition. So as long as I have relationship, I have influence. So number one. 
is the first C is the role of a caretaker. The role of a caretaker. And this is from, from years um, zero to five years. And as a caretaker, your role is to protect. To protect your child, protect your baby, and to provide, to feed them, change their nappy, do all that you need to do, and, and, and um, get them into a routine. And this is very important. Your role is to pray. It's to pray. You, you've got to be a prayer warrior for your child. Never stop praying. Role of a, so the first C is caretaker. The second C is the role of a cop. Role of a cop from 5 to 12. And it's your role to teach them, to discipline. This is, the, this is the part where discipline comes in. If you don't discipline your children during this stage, it's too late when they become teenagers. Too late. Don't try to discipline them in teenage years. It's, 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 it's too late. It's got, it's got to do it in this time here. Uh, for mom, my, my mom, she was the law. She was the law. And, uh, and I did, did whatever she asked me to do. Make her coffee. Do all her needs. Do the banking. Talk to the... Because you know, my mom, her, her English was her second language, so it was my role to do some of these transition roles. So the role of a cop from 5 to 12, to teach them, to train them, to discipline them, and to pray. Pray for your kids. I, I can't emphasize that enough. You've got to be praying. Never stop praying for your kids. So role, this number one, role of a caretaker from 0 to 5. And from primary age, it's it's a it's role of a cop. And number three is role of a coach, role of a coach. And this is this is the uh, when they become teenagers. This is high school years, teenage years. And as a coach, it's like if you coach a football team, a rugby team, whatever you're coaching, it's very similar. You, your role is to model, model what it's like to be an adult. They're becoming young adults. You model to them what it means to be an adult. To, and it's to teach them. You still got to teach them. Teach them what it means to be an adult. And it's your role to encourage them. To encourage them. Like when you're, when you're, when you're coaching, when, whenever you're coaching a team, you're, you're in there, but they've got the, your, your team is the one that has to play the game. They're on, to, they're on there. You're, you're, on the, you're their locker room experience. You're, you're coaching and guiding them along the way. And please, please, never stop praying. Never stop praying. You've got to be praying for your kids. Here's some tips. Here's some tips um, in this transition as a coach. Listen more and talk less. Listen more and talk less. One of the biggest issues I find, I've been a youth pastor for nearly, I've, I've had two decades worth of being a youth pastor, over two decades. And one of the biggest challenges I had is I've had so many parents being cops to their teenagers, telling them what to do. And, and there was this breakdown in relationship rather than coaching them and, and, and encouraging them. And, and actually, to be honest, listen more, to listen more. In fact, when you listen more, what you need to do is, is, is ask your kids for their opinions. Your kids have opinions. Listen, uh, ask them for ideas. Doesn't mean it's all good, right? You just listen. You watch it. I, I like for uh, constantly for my daughter. She constantly challenges. No, we, we had conversations about this whole woke thing that's you know going on there. Little little discussions we have, and uh, I'm okay with that. And, and she might have. She might. She's on this journey where she's trying to understand. But we have dialogue, and I'm not afraid of her asking questions. If I try to shut her down. If I try to shut her down and go, no, no, this is wrong. This is why the Bible says that's wrong. I'll come against that in Jesus. You know, if I start doing that to my daughter, what's going to happen? She's not going to talk to me, right? And what happens? Relationship breaking. As long as I have relationship, right, I have influence. As long as I have relationship, I have influence. Okay, us treat our kids with greater respect. Treat them with respect. Okay, there you go. That's role as a caretaker, role of a coach. And this is the next, the next stage is very important. 18 plus, our role changes. We're now a consultant. Consultant, that's a, the fourth C, consultant. 
And, um, and, and in this role, what's the role of a consultant? It's to listen. Our role is to support, to advise, give it, uh, to advise and to pray. This is, this is our role, right? When our child leaves school, this is where we move into a consultant role. Have you ever, in the working world, when you bring in a consultant, why do they come into your job? Why do they come? Because you invited them in. You invited them in. And so therefore, therefore they're going to listen and then they're going to give us advice, right? But you don't just, if you're working and whatever it is, and someone rocks up and tells you, this is what you need to do to make your company go, who are you? Could you go away? Shut it up. And this is what happens. Too often, too often uh, we're still trying to be a coach or a cop to our adult kids, right? And they haven't invited us in. As long as I have relationship, I have influence. And what happens again, you stop to have relationship. For us, we're, we're, we're in the stage now where we have six, we're consultants to six of our kids. <laughs> six of our kids are 18 plus consultants. And there are times I'm looking at them and I was like, I don't, you know. But here's the thing, when they, when they invite you in, you tell them the truth. Don't hold back because they've invited you in. If they say to you, you know, what do you think? Do you think I should marry this person? If they invited you and asked you, they could, you've got to be honest. Oh, you're gonna, and, and if you like, if you, this, if, you, if you go like, oh, yeah, up to you, it's totally up to you. And then they get married, and then five years later, there's a divorce. And then they come up to you and they say, you know, I knew you should have married that person. And they go, why didn't you tell me when I asked you before? Right? We've got to be honest. If they, but don't give it advice unless they invite you in. If they ask you, should I marry the person? You can tell them, should I? Oh, I don't think so. Because for these reasons. They've invited you in. If they invite you in, they're ready to listen. Okay? So it's very important. Consultant. So these are the four, these are the four caretaker, cop, coach, consultant. If your kids are all adults now, consultant, right? Just be there. Do you listen? You support? And if they invite you, give you advice and be honest. Be honest. But you, this is very important. Keep on praying. Keep, they're adults now. They still need prayer. So, and that's really important for parents, right? Parents make it a lot easier to be honored if they fulfill their responsibilities as parents. Now, here's a word for those who don't have parents. Those who don't have parents. Psalms 27, verse 10. Even if my father and mother abandon me, Yahweh will hold me close. Yahweh will hold me close. He's a father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God, whose dwelling is holy. I love these verses. You know, growing up, you know, I just grew up with my mom, my grandmother, and... Um, and there are times where, you know, where I was thinking, well, it'd be cool to have a dad, you know, to tell me what to do in rugby. Maybe it'd be good to have someone came to my games and, you know, you might have got a, what's the smallest of violin? Why don't I play violin for me to tell my stories? Um, but here's the thing, you know, and I love when you encounter God and you just, when you read these verses, they come so much more alive to you. He's, he's the, you know, even if my father or my mother banish me, Yahweh will hold me close. And he truly does. He truly does. And he's the father to the fathers, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. For some of us who, who, who grew up with an absent father, God longs to comfort, comfort and heal us. And, and, um, and if you're here in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He is our healer. And, and one of the reasons why so many people feel so weighed down or burdened with the idea of honoring our parents is because there are unresolved resentment, right? Resentment towards our parents. So what does this mean for us? It means that even if your resentment is justified, seriously, like most times our resentments are justified, especially the way that our parents have treated us or will not treat us because we haven't seen them. You can still choose to forgive 
you choose to forgive in order to allow yourself to be open to the possibility of better feelings towards your parents. And, and let me tell you something, I've got an amazing relationship with my dad, really do. And I, I praise God for that. And, and, um, and, it's, it's, and I'll try to get my kids to spend as much time with their, maybe I've got to visit them more so they can spend more time with them and things like that. I'm getting some conviction happening right now. But many people are reluctant to forgive their parents. And, and I totally understand because, of, because we've been deeply and painfully betrayed by our parents or we've been belittled by our parents. And it's not nice. And, it's, and these scars go deep with us. And we carry these scars. And sometimes we need help. And we need help from others. For many people, the reason why we hold back from, from forgiving is because we incorrectly assume that forgiveness means that we have to forget the pain, painful things that have happened to us because of our parents. But here's the thing. Forgiveness allows us to build something positive in the present while still making sure we do not repeat what happened in the past. For some of us, your parents have passed on already. And, and maybe you've got feelings of re regret or guilt. As much as it lies inside of you, forgive your parents. Receive forgiveness from God and forgive yourself. That's probably a big one that some of us need to hear, especially if your parents have passed on. You never got the opportunity to, to resolve some things that have happened in the past and they've passed on. Just forgive your parents wherever you are and receive forgiveness from God and forgive yourself. So here's the thing. Many of you guys know, from me and Portal, we're, we're a blended family. Uh, and uh, where I'm the blend to the family. Porter, when, I, when me and Porter got together, she already had children. And um, I, Porter took me in like this, this lost puppy, brought me in, and I be, became part of the family. And, um, and so when we first got together, Porter's eldest daughter, she was about 11, 12 years old. And she had her mother's fire within her, right? She had her mother's fire. If you know Porter, she's got some fire, right? And, and you know, she didn't like me one bit. She didn't like me one bit. Does anyone else who's part of a blended family know what I'm talking about here? I mean, so when we got married, when we got married, um, she was about 12 years old. She, she went from hating me to just tolerating me. I took that as a win. That's a win. I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that. I'll, t I'll take anything. And, and here's the thing. I continue to pray for her. I continue to support her. What, I continue to, to love her as a stepfather could. That was my role. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. I'll tell you what. There were, I remember when I first started with Porto, and I remember coming to the house, I, could, I remember her, her saying, what's he doing here? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, this is going to be, yeah, anyway. It's a journey, right? It's a journey. And there were times when I had to keep silent and let Porto discipline, you know, unless I was invited. And, and this is a typical blend of families when dealing with stepchildren. This is, this is also your role is you've got to be invited in, especially early on. You, it's a journey of trust and learning, uh, learning our boundaries. And um, don't overstep when you haven't been. Sometimes you've got to hold your tongue. And when you're invited in, when you're in until you're invited into the situation. And so there were the times when I just had to hold my tongue and I'm like, mm-hmm, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but here's the thing, you know, um, and when Shawnee was about 16, or oh, was trying not to say her name, <laughs> When she, was about, she, when she was about 16, she's the oldest, of course. You know, who else could it be? Yeah, she moved to Auckland. She moved out of home. She moved back to Auckland. 
but, but we continue to pray for her. We continue to show her love. And, uh, you know, from time to time, she would invite me in and ask for advice. She would come to me for advice. And, and I found this old text message, and this is from five years back. And after, she sent me this after 14 years since I walked into her life. She sends me a text a few years back. This is what she writes. She, she writes, Happy Father's Day. Here we go. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for all you do for myself and my siblings. I'll move out of the way. And most of all, loving mum and making her so happy. Love you. And oh my gosh, that hayfee was really kidding, kidding, kicking. You know, love you. Sorry we couldn't make it down to have a meal with you. Yeah, I've forgiven her since then. Um, but here's the thing, you know, I, I, what, what's really, I really love what she wrote here and making her so happy. One of the greatest gifts you, you can give your children, the greatest gift that you can give your stepchildren is to love their mum or love their dad. Love them unconditionally and be their number one azer. Be their number one ally and support them and be, be behind, being behind them. And, uh, you know, she calls me dad. This is early days. She was like, she went from hating me to tolerating me. Now she, calls, she loves me like her dad. She calls me dad whenever I see her. Every Christmas day, every Father's Day, every birthday, she sends me a text. Oh, I, I want to share another one. She sent me. This is what she said. She said, happiest birthdays, dad. Thank you. I'll move out of the way. Thank you for always being above the line and always putting up with me and the thousand siblings. This, this includes the feeding kids. And if you know us, we've always got people, um, always got young people attaching themselves to our family growing up. We love you so much and see you tomorrow after work. Uh, and then I say, thank you. See you tomorrow. <laughs> she, she finally came to celebrate. So that was good. Here's the thing. As long as I have relationship, I have influence. As long as I have relationship, I have influence. Regardless of, of how old your children are, regardless of how, how old your stepchildren are, it's never too late to restore relationships. And it's never too late to restore your relationship with God, your heavenly Father who loves you. Because 2,000 years ago, a father gave up a son so that we could be adopted into the family of God. He wants you to know that whatever your experience of what family is, that He will be your perfect Father. God loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you.